Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the book of Acts, the 10th chapter, the 24th through the 29th verses. That's Acts 10, 24 through 29. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relations, his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter raised him up saying, stand up. I too am just a man. As he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit with him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask for what reason you have sent me. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word of this afternoon. Last week we talked about Peter and we saw how after the resurrection, Jesus took him back to a place that was almost like his first encounter with Peter. If you'll recall, uh, he wound up in a boat with Peter. And when Peter realized who he was, he fell on his knees and said, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. And after all that Peter had been through up till this point, Peter has had his ups and he's had his downs. And I think it's important sometimes that we realize that there are times when God may have to take us back almost to the very beginning for us to remember who we really are because so many times in our self-confidence and our self-righteousness, we can forget that we only stand in his strength. I don't know, there may be some of you that have gotten to the point to where you feel like you have just offended God in such a way or where you've messed up so much that you just don't think that there is any way back. And that's kind of where Peter was after he had denied Jesus for three times, the three times. He, he felt like he just couldn't be a part of the band of disciples anymore. He had let his Lord down so horrendously and he'd let himself down so horrendously that he felt like he could do nothing anymore in connection with serving the Lord. And this is just exactly where the enemy wants us to be, where we get so discouraged and so disheartened that we wind up being totally uh, in uh, or just totally unable to move as far as being a part of the kingdom of God. Maybe you've gotten to that point where you just uh, would bow in the Lord's presence and say, Lord, why do you put up with me? And if you've ever done that, he'd probably tell you the same reason I went to the cross and died for you. The same reason that I don't just leave when uh, you're ashamed of being in my presence. The same reason I poured out my love into your heart and all over you when you felt like you were unlovely and unlovable. The reason why I put up with you is because I love you. 
I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, and I loved you. That's the reason why. Now follow me. Whenever Peter was bowing and said, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. The Lord just looked at him and said, from now on, you're going to be fishing for men. Come, follow me. And Peter began to follow, and he had successes and failures. And through both, and I think it's important, both his successes and his failures, Jesus was making Peter into a fisher of men. And one of the points I didn't make last week that I want to make sure that you understand is it appears that Peter needed to go through his time of denial, his time of uh, this time of testing where he fails, where you remember his his big profession, whenever Jesus uh, said, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And Jesus, and, and remember Peter said, Lord, though all the rest of them fall away, I will die before I deny you. And then he denied him three times. And then he felt like an utter failure. He had failed his Lord and he had failed himself. But this is just it. He had to come to grips with something in his own life that he hadn't been able to face yet. And that is that he valued what people thought of him more than what the Lord thought of him. He did not know this about himself, and there's no way he could have known this about himself unless he was put on the firing line and failed. And so that's why Jesus knew he was going to go through this. And he, that's why he said, and when you turn back or when you're converted, then you strengthen your brothers. And so Jesus made it clear he knew that Peter was going to fail. And that's whenever Peter said, oh, no. And Jesus just let him say that. And that was that. But now we're on the other side and Peter has failed. And But Jesus, but Jesus did not leave him alone, did he? Instead, what did he do? Whenever he rose from the dead, the first thing he did was he sent an angel to tell the women at the tomb, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And he made sure that Peter understood that he still considered him a part of the group. Even though Peter felt like he was now worthless and useless in the sight of God, Jesus saw him differently. And Jesus still loved him. And Jesus still had plans to make him a fisher of men. And thank goodness, Peter showed up and he began his reinstatement. And so last week we looked and we saw that after another uh, haul of fish had been brought in and they're walking along the bank, he reiterates what Peter should be doing now. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs, feed my flock, feed my sheep. And then if you'll notice something, many people just think right there, that's whenever Peter, with this whole process, was to reinstate Peter. Just the, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Just those three times, taking care of the three times that he denied him. But I think there's something that's overlooked a lot. And that's what happened next, because you see, Peter still had some growing to do. 
Peter still had some growing because he looks back and there he sees the disciple John following along and he says, hey Lord, what about John? What about him? And Jesus' words to him were, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. And so Jesus is uh, is rebuking him for getting caught up in the comparison trap. Now, some of you may have been to uh, class reunions lately. And when you got there, maybe you noticed how old everybody else was. And maybe you're feeling better about looking better than the rest of them were. Maybe some of them looked younger. Maybe some of them looked better than you. Maybe some of them were doing worse than you were. And maybe some of them were doing a whole lot better. And it's interesting that many times whenever you see somebody's doing a whole lot better and you compare yourself to them, you may start thinking, I'm just not where I should be. I should be somewhere else. Or it may be uh, in connection with something else to where you wind up comparing yourself to others instead of just looking at what the Lord has you to do where you are. And just like Jesus told Peter, what is that to you? You follow me. I have a path for him. I have a path for you. And he's wanting to tell you that today as well. You follow me. Don't compare yourself with anyone else. You are different. You are unique. I have plans and purposes for you. I have plans and purposes for them. But you don't worry about theirs. You've got enough on your plate by just following me. So take your eye off of those other people. And just like like Jesus had to rebuke Peter, so he has to rebuke us. Get your eyes off of other people Quit measuring yourself by other people and measure yourself by what the Lord has in store for you and make sure that you measure yourself by what he uh, has for you to do right now. You know, going back to uh, just feeling worthless and useless and like you've missed out on the best that God had in store for you. And I'm sure that's the way Peter felt after his denial. I remember the story of a young lady who had messed up big time and found herself expecting a child. And she wound up going to her Sunday school teacher, whom she had great confidence in and confided in her Sunday school teacher. And the Sunday school teacher voiced her disappointment in this young lady. And she said, well, the best you can hope for now is God's second best You have forfeited ever knowing God's best in your life by doing what you have done. Yes, you have really messed up. Well, someone else heard what this teacher had told this young lady, and she said, no, no, no. God has the best in store for you. You see, a lot of people think that if they know what God has for them, if they if they feel like this is the way, and they they miss the they miss it, it's like they have missed the boat, and that boat has left. They missed the boat of God's will for their lives. He has left, and now they'll never be able to get on that boat again. The best they can do is just kind of run along the bank and try to keep up, but they'll never be able to hit that boat again. 
And that's not what God's will is like. God's will is not like a boat. God's will is like the river. And yes, you may have gotten out of God's will and you may have done something disappointing, but that doesn't mean you can not get back into the river and get into the flow of what God has for your life. Child of God, he has the best in store for you yet. He's not through with you. Just because you're discouraged in yourself and just because you feel like you have failed, that's a time to learn. You see, in uh, in this passage, what we see happening is we see the successes and the failures have brought Peter to this place. And God has used his successes and his failures to this point. And I want to underscore using failures because just think about it. What do you learn from your successes? What do you really gain from your successes? Now tell me, what do you learn from your failures? Now, The thing is, you must be, as I said last week, a fat person, faithful, available, and teachable. And sometimes whenever you wind up failing, you wind up making yourself not available anymore. And so if you're one of those that is withdrawn from from the Lord, just understand he hasn't withdrawn from you and he's just waiting for you to look his way and to start moving toward him because he still has things for you. He wants you to be faithful. If you drift away, come back. Start being faithful again. Be available to him. And then this is the most important thing, be teachable. And here at this point, when Peter is being rebuked for comparing himself to John, or trying to feel good about himself because maybe he's going to have a better assignment than John. Right at this point, I think this is when Peter rejoiced because whenever Jesus rebuked him, all of a sudden he knew he was back on track with the Lord. He was back being a disciple who had things to learn. And so, uh, uh, I think that that's something that's, that people don't pick up on very often is I think that is when Peter felt fully reinstated. He was back the way he was before. Yes, he got some things right. And yes, he got chided for getting things wrong, but he was moving on with the Lord. It reminds me of uh, whenever our youngest daughter wound up uh, uh, getting into trouble the first time. She was just a little kid, and she was old enough to know better, and we uh, pulled her to one side, and we had to uh, just read her the riot act on something and get on to her for something that she'd done wrong. And you know what? She thought that was the greatest thing in the world. She went back into the other room where her three other siblings were with a smirk on her face and said, I got in trouble. All of a sudden, she felt like she was one of the group, that she wasn't uh, uh, just uh, uh, the baby, that she was now a part of the family in a way that she had never been before. And so by being reinstated, I guess you might say, by Jesus, Peter now realizes he is back in the fold again, 
and he has had his orders to strengthen his brothers renewed, and he moves on from there. And he has moved on to where he has seen people healed. He has seen the dead raised through his ministry. 8,000 people have come to know the Lord through two sermons that he's preached. And my goodness, if many people ever got to that point in their Christian walk, they just think that they had arrived, that there was nothing more. But this is just it. The Lord wasn't through with Peter yet. And this brings us to the passage today where we see Peter uh, going into the house of Cornelius. And you'll see what he says here. He says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any person unholy or unclean. Now, what has happened before this is uh, Peter has been given a vision by the Lord. And in this vision, he's seen a sheet uh, come down with all kinds of animals and creatures uh, in it. And uh, many of them are unclean. And he says, arise, Peter, uh, kill and eat. And, Jesus, and Peter says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. And then the Lord says, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times. And just while he was thinking about this, all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. And it's Cornelius uh, has sent messengers to invite Peter to come to his house and preach. And Peter has no idea what he's getting into when he follows these men and goes back to Cornelius' house. And this is the point that I really want to make today. As Peter stood there at the threshold of Cornelius' house, this was a major moment in his life because you see, no good Jew would ever step across the threshold into a Gentile's house. Not only that, no good Jew would even uh, fellowship or have anything to do with a Gentile. And so for Peter to take this step across the threshold into Cornelius's house is major. This is huge. This is something very, very different than he has ever done before. It goes against everything he has ever been taught. It goes, it goes against everything that he has stood for up to this time in his life. It goes against the very identity that he has with his people. This is something that has changed his life just as in obedience he stepped over that threshold because in stepping over that threshold, he cast aside everything that his mama and his daddy taught him. He cast aside everything that the rabbis had taught him. He cast aside everything that his friends had ever practiced and believed, but he wasn't going to deny his Lord again. You see, he had learned that lesson. He had rather deny his culture 
and his culture's teachings than he would be to deny his Lord. And so Peter steps across the threshold and he steps into a world that he has never been in before. And he explains what he has done and how major this is. And he says, now, what do you want me to do? What do you want me for? Cornelius explains to him and Peter preaches another sermon. And as he is preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on these Gentiles gathered together there. And the Holy Spirit moves upon them to the point to where they begin speaking in tongues and uh, uh, and glorifying God, just like the disciples did on the day of Pentecost. And all Peter can say at that point is, who are we to deny water to those who have received the Spirit in the same way that we have? Well, I want you to know your calling is different from Peter's, but it's just as vital to the world. It is through your successes and your failures that the Lord is making you who you are meant to be in him and for him. It is as much through your failures as through your successes that the Lord can help you to become who you are meant to be, who you are created to be, and to be freed from the things that are hindering you. I remember the story of a man who was walking along and he had a large boulder under each arm. He had heavy chains wrapped around his waist and he had a watermelon on top of his head. And he's just walking along and somebody says, hey buddy, where are you going with those boulders? And the guy looks down and he said, I wasn't even aware I was carrying these things. And he drops the boulders and he moves on just so much freer than he was before. And then he comes across someone else and asks him, hey friend, what do you have those big heavy chains around your waist for? And you say, Lord, the guy said, you know, I hadn't even noticed them. Thank you for calling those to my attention. And he gets rid of the chains and he's walking along with just a, more of a lightness in his step. And then finally somebody walks up to him and says, hey buddy, what are you going to do with that watermelon on your head? And the guy says, watermelon? I say, yeah, you got a watermelon on your head there. And he takes the watermelon off of his head. And all of a sudden, he feels so light and so free. And this is what happens with us as we move on with the Lord. And we are available and teachable in addition to being faithful. As we make ourselves available to him, he'll point things out that need work. Just like Peter needed to work on thinking more about what people said and what more, what more of what about what people thought than what Jesus thought. And it may be that you're the same way. You may be one who really thinks that it's important that people think highly of you. But you know what? It's much more important that you know the Lord and that he thinks highly of you than anybody else. And as you walk with him and as you follow him, He'll point out different things along the way that need to be changed. It may be a boulder of some sort. It may be a chain and it may be a watermelon on your head. There's no telling what sort of chains you have that bind you from your past. There's no telling what sort of things there are that have made uh, 
you're walking with the Lord harder than it should be. And he wants to help free you from those things so you can be more the person that he created you to be. You see, it's through your failures that you learn and you grow. And whenever you're, just because you fail doesn't mean you're not the Lord's. That means that you just have an opportunity to grow more and more, becoming that person that he created you to be and that uh, you have been longing to be. And so I want to encourage you to uh, just uh, make sure that you are being faithful, available, and teachable, and don't let your past hinder you from walking with the Lord in the present and in the future. In fact, let's just pray right now. Lord, we thank you that you have been working in our lives even until this moment. And I thank you now that I can see that you want to use my failures to help me to become that person that you have created me to be. And Lord, I pray that you'll just help me to be faithful, available, and teachable to you. Lord, help me to continue to grow in you. Forgive me if I've become discouraged and thought that all I was worthy of was your second best. Thank you, Lord, that you still have the best in store for me. Now, I want you to notice what happened to Peter at this point, because you see, whenever Peter preached and these Gentiles responded, whenever that happened, the whole earth moved for Peter in a very, very profound way. Up until this point, yes, he had been a fisher of men among the people of the Jews. He had been a fisher of men in a lake. And now then all of a sudden, broad new vistas have opened up to him. For now it's not just the Jews uh, that are the uh, group that he can cast his net in, but all the people of the world. Do you see the profound difference that his obedience made in stepping into the unknown? I want to, as I close today, I ask you, what steps are the Lord, is the Lord, or Lord asking you to take that are going to lead you into something that is different than you've ever been in? Maybe you know, maybe you know that there's something that, that you have been taught, but you know that it's keeping you from what the Lord has for you today. I just want you to, I want to encourage you, be willing to be obedient to the Lord no matter what is coming your way. Because as you do so, that's the point where we wind up finding what some people call second conversions. Other people call them breakthroughs. Other people call them epiphanies. Other people call it just moving on into toward perfection. And I encourage you, I encourage you from this point on, be open to what the Lord has for you, no matter what has gone on in the past. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.